You're listening to the B&H Photography Podcast. For over 40 years, B&H has been the professional source for photography, video, audio, and more. For your favorite gear, news, and reviews, visit us at bnh.com or download the BNH app to your iPhone or Android device. Now here's your host, Alan White. Greetings and welcome to the BNH Photography Podcast. Before we set sail, I'd like to remind you, our listeners, to please leave a review on iTunes. We value your thoughts. Today, John Harris and I are going to be talking about medium format imaging and how it fits into the mix of camera gear these days. Joining us is our very own Levy Tenenbaum, senior sales trainer at B&H, and Jeremy Tan, who's one of our Superstore's medium format specialists. Levy and Jeremy not only talk photography, they are also accomplished photographers in their own rights, and they are both fluent in a number of camera systems, including medium format cameras and capture backs. Some of the things we're going to talk about today are what exactly is a, a medium format camera, what formats does it come in, uh, like point-and-shoot cameras and a lot of the mirrorless cameras, it's not a fixed size. The sensors, there's about four different sizes that I found. Who are the players? Who's making these cameras? How do they differ? And what's the big deal with medium format? Is it, is it just more pixels? Is it higher resolving power? Uh, as we're going to find out, it's more than that. We're also going to compare DSLR and mirrorless cameras versus medium format. Which camera systems offer what options and which are better for different, uh, different needs? And then we're going to talk about the future. Uh, do we need them? Will they be around? Stay tuned. We're going to answer all of these questions. Let's start off with what exactly is a medium format camera? What, what are the sizes? What are the big differences between them? It's, it's not as wide as DSLRs and mirrorless. It's a narrower uh, genre. So, uh, Lave, you want to tell us a little bit about it? Um, I'd say it, it starts off really simply that medium format comes from the original medium format, which is two and a quarter or in, in such range, the, the square type, which we're all used to from seeing people shoot Hasselblad. Um, the Mia and, and that kind of stuff. And it's the larger than 35 millimeter. And that also back in the day came in different sizes. That's right. It was in that, you said six by six square. It was also six, seven, six by nine, six forty five. Exactly. So there was, it was never really defined there either. It was, there were choices depending on what your needs were. Exactly. Your and when the first digital backs came out, which format did they adhere to most closely? It was it, actually it was two small. by three. It was yeah. a, a 35 uh, millimeter yeah. size. Yeah. It was overkill. That, it was 35 millimeter It was size. actually 24 by 36 millimeter for a lot of the original backs. There was not much so difference. It was, yeah, it wasn't quite what we yeah. know in the format. Then, yeah. then they started going up. Even nowadays, the most common ones like the 645, the, mm. the 50C, like the ones that most people know about are still pretty, they're, they're not full medium format in size. Right. The new 100s, and by 100, I mean 100 megapixels. Those are the ones which are the much larger sensor, which is much closer to the true. I actually wrote down the sizes. The, the four sizes I was able to find is the smallest is 30 by 40 millimeter. Now, keep in mind, 24 by 36 is a full frame 35. Not much bigger. Then it goes to 32.8 or 32.9 by 43, or what they say, 44 millimeter. Then we jump to 36.7 by 49.1 millimeter. And then the largest is a little bit over 40 millimeter by 53.7 millimeter. Not even 645 size. Yeah, but that, that's the 100. That's the, the 100, the, yeah. So that's, that's the first one that's coming really close to the right size. Right. And do those numbers break down at all by... <laughs> uh, Resolution. By manufacturer? No, by manufacturer. Like, the, the one stick with one kind and... Like for example, they're the actually leaves. Yeah, it all seems blown. to be yeah, mixed resolution. Yeah. 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 Okay. Also, you know, a lot, a lot of things with uh, a 35 millimeter, uh, with let's say DSLR mirrorless, is that Sony makes a lot of the sensors and a lot of the different manufacturers. How many different companies are involved with medium format? Anybody here know? There's only a few. Uh, Sony has a big uh, market share in the manufacturing industry when it comes to making sensors in general. Like the X1D. Um, Which is the new Hasselblad. Right, and the Phase 100 megapixel, I believe, are both made by Sony. Well, pretty much Hasselblad, Sony, Mamiya, they're all using... As soon as everyone went to CMOS, mm -hmm. they pretty much went, as far as I know, all completely Sony. Okay. So they're all using really? the same chip across the board. So the like Jeremy shoots with the 645Z. I'll let him talk about it. But um, that's a Sony 50 megapixel chip. The Hasselblad, which came out, the H5... Uh, I think it was an H5C or an, or an H6C. I forgot which one. I think the H5 came out with it. 
50 megapixel, also CMOS, also Sony, Mamiya, <laughs> 50 megapixel, also phase one. It's all they're all using the same sensor, and what it comes down to at that point is their color science and what their system offers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about the sensors? And you have, you know, originally most medium format were CCD sensors. Yeah. And now we're seeing a switch to CMOS, but are, are some companies still using CCD? And what are the differences? Yeah, there's doll, the dolls CCDs. Those are still pretty big players. Yeah, in, in very niche places. So the reason why medium format started off, and actually almost like all photography all started off right, in CCD, CCD. Right, right. was because you had great color rendition. So mm -hmm. you saw it in, in, in video cameras, you saw it in, in still cameras, you saw it in the backs. And then as CMOS, as the technology got there where we were able to control noise, CMOS was, to my understanding, a, a much cheaper way of manufacturing. Once we've got noise under control and we got the color accuracy to where we wanted it, where it was good enough, almost all 35 millimeter at that point pretty much switched over to, to CMOS. And then I remember back then, like people were still arguing the CCD versus CMOS for 35 millimeter, but that was kind of a lost cause. That's that's a non-issue. I, I know expense-wise, CCDs require <laughs> real or clean rooms to manufacture. Yeah. And as somebody I know used to joke around, says, uh, you know, CMOS, they could be built in a Kanish factory. It doesn't matter. It's very different conditions. Exactly. Factory. So I don't I, I don't know that I recommend eating your CMOS in a Kanish. <laughs> no, you're not going to find little fl potato flakes in the back of your But, uh, you know, what? I always find it's funny that this is a couple of years ago anyway, the cheapest of the cheapest point-and-shoots had a CCD sensor, and then the most expensive of the medium format cameras had a CCD sensor, and everything else in the middle was CMOS. I always found that kind of right. funny. I, I remember remarking about that when I was in the kiosk, and yeah. we were just like, something here's not making sense. Right. It is easier to make, especially with the larger, even full-frame 35, to make them uh, uh, using CMOS technology. It's a lot less expensive, a lot less complex. So are some medium format back still CCD? Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. pretty much ever, ever, ever since they went, um, I want to say 50, 50 oh, came out as full on CMOS and you'll, you'll see the little C at the bottom that everyone's connoting that they're CMOS, but the older ones are CCD. You also find it, I think in some of like the Sinar cameras, mm -hmm. um, you're still seeing like the CCD chip cause it does have great color rendition. And at that point you don't really, you're not really worried about your ISO range because yeah. you're mm -hmm. shooting at like a flat 100 or right. even 64. That's really for studio use. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah, I imagine there are a lot of photographers who who like that, or they've grown used to that CCD, and they like something about it. And, the color's and, phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're we're going to talk about that maybe a little bit later. Mm -hmm. But color off of these cameras, um, aside from the fact that you're shooting in 16-bit color, which is automatically going to give you better color just because that's the color space you're working in. But even just the color rendition on these are they're really finely tweaked because they don't have to make as much sacrifices for other things because mm -hmm. medium format is not seen as something which I need to take everywhere. Right. You know, so they're able to really finely tune it in for very specific needs, which is why they still shine in those arenas. Now, you mentioned something about uh, um, color rendition and, and, and a lot of the parameter things that people are looking for. When people, I think, well, a lot of people, I think of medium format, their immediate response is higher resolving power. Now, we have a lot of cameras out in 35 millimeter format that have ridiculous amounts of resolving power. But, Lave, you mentioned 16 bit color, and that's something that you don't get from the smaller cameras. And could you want to, anybody want to know? You're talking about full frame 35. Full frame 35, yeah, which right, in this right. case is small format. Right. Um, uh, one of you guys, t tell us a little bit about 16 bit and why that makes a difference. Well, the more colors you have <clears throat> in 16 bit, the smoother the transitions are between colors. So you're going to see um, more color accuracy and more colors within your shades and your tints and your hues. You're just going to look the more The transitions like, are yeah. smoother. Now, also, a full frame 35, the best you get out of that is it's 14, 14. bit. 14 bit. Now, it sounds a little bit, but 14, 16 is really huge. There's a huge difference. You're talking about several hundred thousand. No, you're talking about trillions of yeah. extra colors. Yeah. I stand corrected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, between 12 and 14. Uh, it's a huge up. I wrote, I wrote down a bunch of numbers, but I have some conflicting ones. But the idea is that you're doing 2 to the 8th for 8-bit, which is what we're all right. used to, 256 levels or shades. Like, So if you're on Photoshop and you see 0 to 255 in your levels, like that's that's what we're all used to. When you start going to 14 and 16, you're starting to look at, I think 16-bit, I have it at 65,536 yes. yeah. shades per pixel per color. Right. It's a, an exponential increase. So it's, it's, it's a ginormous jump. And then just to, just to bring this all into reality, though, 24-bit is considered true color. 
which is where every color is exactly we're capturing full um, color information on every pixel. And by the way, that this is far beyond what our eyes can actually see, but it's there. We see something in the range of 10 million colors. Something like that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then there's tremendous arguments for, so why would you even shoot in 14-bit or why would you shoot in 16-bit? I can't even see it. My monitor can't display it. My printer can't do it. Like there's, there's, and I can make very good arguments for why to do it, even if it's way beyond your, what your phone can show you on Instagram. What would that argument be? Um, just way more flexibility, like Jeremy was pointing out. Like if I do any kind of editing, mm -hmm. if I'm a non-editor and I'm just shooting the world as I see it, there may be room to argue that maybe you don't have to go as extreme. But if you're doing any kind of editing, if you're pushing, pulling, if you're sharpening, if you're doing anything at all. If you're shooting all, textiles with critical color. Oh, now, you'll absolutely. never be able to reproduce at the end. But the thing is, starting up front, you'll have as much information as you can possibly have to work with. Particularly things that are red-pink. A big argument for when, when medium format first started coming out was the pixels themselves are larger. The photo collectors are larger. That means that you have more of a dynamic range, which means that you could see further into the shadows, further into the highlights, and more of everything in between. Now, it used to be about 11 or 12 stops for medium format. What, where are we today as far as comparing the best 35 millimeter to the best medium format? Well, some of the more expensive medium format cameras shoot up to about 15 stops of dynamic range, whereas if you have something like a Nikon 810 or Sony a7R2, you get about 13.9, 14.2. Which is where medium best. format was 15 years ago. Yeah. So now you, we're get getting an additional, you get an additional stop of dynamic range, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it really helps when you're pushing and pulling shadows, highlight and shadow recovery. Um, Wedding shooters could now hold delicate lace and sunlight. Yeah. You know, that that's a practical application of why you'd need it if you're a wedding photographer and you're you're facing this stuff a lot let's talk digital backs a little bit though what what is out there what what improvements have we seen in the past couple of years or or are manufacturers looking more to put everything in, inside the camera right so digital backs as they came out and as we kind of know them when they originally came out they were made to just adapt to your existing medium format i already have house lot of 503 or have a mrz whatever it is and so now what back can i get to fit onto they my were system? basically appealing to film shooters because let's face it everybody was shooting medium format cameras with film and now all of a sudden we're getting oh we could put this digital back on it it's not just that i had a film back now all i gotta do is put on a digital back right, and exactly. it's the same and i'm in the same space in in my head um there's a lot of limitations to that there are a lot of issues as far as getting your backs to trigger i remember oh, being yeah. in studios and trying to troubleshoot backs that were not tracing the firing of the lens and it, it you know you have lots of cables cords sticking out yeah, yeah it was wake up cables and you have to turn on the back so it'll wake up and mm -hmm. it'll kind of look for the lens to go and then kind of go from there it's yeah there are a lot of limitations to this and then as we're seeing now in i think Hasselblad after the h3 went integrated body um pentax is doing integrated body like a went a whole different route doing like a 35 millimeter but there's a lot of there's a uh, by 35 millimeter, I mean 35 millimeter style. It's mm -hmm. a medium format camera, but it's a medium, it's a 35 millimeter in style. Um, but everyone's kind of gone t more toward integrated bodies where they've completely updated the bodies. You're not using older film bodies. But if someone does have a film body, a lot of the companies out there sell adapter backs to be able to electronically just trigger the camera. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you find on tech cameras all the time, mm -hmm. you know, Alpas. Right. Oh, yeah. Still, yeah, people mm -hmm. still using those, and, and those are ones where you'll find a but they've, they've set it up that they can get triggered. So Well, I think it's, it's interesting. You could even, uh, uh, they, it, at least one company, I think two companies are making backs that will go to the original Hasselblad system, which has been discontinued for a long time, as well as the Contact 645, which hasn't been around for over a decade easily. Yeah. But they're still building technology for people using these cameras. So a little, that, that's what's kind of neat about it. So Hasselblad has a CFV. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that will adapt to most of their H-series cameras, as they call them now, and that'll trigger electronically, and it's a 50-megapixel CMOS. Mm -hmm. So you get what you're getting now. Mm -hmm. And can we just kind of give a little rundown on what is available out there for digital backs, and then later on we'll turn back toward uh, cameras. Sure. But, uh, they, uh, phase 1 had a bunch of IQ3s. I don't know if they're making them as much as they used to. Mm -hmm. You probably get them on the used market because these hold on to value really well. Sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, 
but you know with all technology as time goes by prices go down mm -hmm. okay so you have the phase you have Hasselblad Mamiya made Mamiya some. right yeah okay yeah so so phase phase updated to the XF that, that was the new thing that came out last year and brand new body. Um, Hasselblad has the H6, which is their latest one. Mamiya, I'm pretty sure, is, for a while they were under phase one and now I don't remember if they've been fully integrated into phase mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. I think um, so, yeah. But I know that we're still selling their their stuff. I, I think that they've become full integration. Leica has, um, and then there's like some random ones like Steinar we mentioned earlier, they, yeah. they, they're they doing stuff like four by five in medium format. Yeah. Um, Super specialty. Yeah. You also have companies uh, like Alpa, which are making the components, the frame components. You have Horseman. We sell, I don't know if we sell a lot of them, but we do sell Horseman components. It lo basically looks like a frame, and you put a lens on the front, and you put a back on the back, and you basically, it's, it's a modular system. So I think there are still a number of people doing that, depending on what you need. You could be very flexible. You can be in the studio one day and location the next. Yeah, I think I, I think there'll always be a space for digital backs, as far as like to adapt over to you know four by five cameras or and, and, and backs and, have one advantage that you don't have with a fix, and that is that if a new back comes out, new technologies, you just have to replace the back yeah. rather than the whole camera. You're not replacing the shutter and, and everything else that goes along with it. So there's still, I think, a good argument and I for think that. Most and, of the well, at least Hasselblad has the like a the buyback programs right yeah. where you, you you know you send your old digital back and they give you the new one at a, at a seen or pretty much all of them will do that at some point mm -hmm. they almost have to because that's a big investment huge investment yeah. they they Hasselblad has um what's really interesting is after all the earthquakes in in Japan um they got delayed on releasing their 100 megapixel back um or camera I should say with, mm -hmm. with back and um they're doing a really interesting trade-up program if you bought your 50 thinking that you're going to get 100, and I think they're doing like free trade-up or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's really, Generous. that's really nice of them, yeah. yeah. Okay, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about DSLR and mirrorless versus medium format. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the B&H Photography Podcast. Send us a tweet at bhphotovideo, hashtag bhphotopodcast. We are back. Okay, now let's talk about DSLR and mirrorless cameras versus medium format. Why would somebody want to go to medium format? What's the advantage of it? Well, typically medium format cameras do have higher resolutions, 150 megapixel backs, 80, 50, 60, 70, you know, even 200 of multi-shot. Um, they have larger pixels, about 28% bigger microns. And, um, just just to back up, you so with the multi-shot, yeah. it's a very specific niche. That's a studio photographer. That's somebody who's shooting cars, jewelry, something that needs incredible amounts of resolving power uh, to just look outstanding. And a stationary subject. In a stationary, yeah, good point, in a stationary Can subject. Can you describe the, the technology of the multi-shot briefly? So it yeah. takes multiple pictures, four of them to be exact, and then composites them into a 200 megapixel file, which I think is a little overkill. Even if you are looking for a superb amount of detail, it's you're probably going to throw most of that away in post anyway. And how big are the JPEGs? I don't think you would shoot JPEGs on that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they don't. I'm pretty sure some of these don't even shoot JPEGs. No, they don't. No. But however, the file sizes are ridiculous on that. No. <laughs> my my uh, medium format camera, by the way, Levy, it's a H4D. Um, Correction about, noted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's about um, 70 megabytes. Megabytes. Okay. Wow. A lot of detail. Mm -hmm. and, and by the way, on that note, a Sony A7R2 puts out files that are like 120 megs. That's a lot of data, too. What's the difference? Well, the 7R2 is 7580 megs. No, it's, yeah, 41.3 megabytes uh, a compressed raw and then 80 mega, megabytes okay. uncompressed. So one, 120 you'll see coming from like the Hasselblad 100. You'll you'll see 100 out of Phase One's XF 100. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's almost like one to one, um, almost being the operative term because 
Nikon will give you a DA10 file at 75 megabytes and it's only 36 megapixels. Now, once you put that up in, on Instagram, you can see the difference? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Not even a question. I can, I can only shoot... Hashtag a, MF. I, I, you know, I can, only, I can only do Instagram because of the square format on Instagram. Right. Yeah. So I have to do it one-to-one. So I can't, even, I can't crop 35. No one crops me. <laughs> so I only shoot MF. No, that's something to really consider because a vast majority of the pictures that people are looking at, and that could be for sale, sales purposes and everything, are looked at on a computer monitor. And if you think about it, you don't need medium format to kill all that stuff. It's really for very specific print output. I was going to say billboards, but you don't even really need something like that for billboards. It's amazing what you can do. Yeah, no, you definitely don't need it for okay, billboards. So who's, who's shooting medium format? Yeah, then? who is I mean, shooting? Who's, where are we, where, are the, who's, who's our target audience here? It depends mostly on the budget, I guess. Mm -hmm. When I got my medium format camera, I thought I was going to start a studio, and it was a, it's something to offer a client, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to um, the professionalism of having a medium format camera. It's something that you can offer your client being mm -hmm. much higher quality. It sets you apart from other photographers, um, and it just has a high, higher end look and feel, uh, slightly better production value. I'm going to throw something else into the mix. When you're working with a larger format camera, your attitude is also, I think, different. Yeah, most um, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I know a guy, this goes back a ways, when everybody was using medium format for portraits, he would intentionally, if he had the time, even if the budget wasn't there, he would shoot on an 8x10 camera because it brought a different atmosphere into the, into the workflow. The person sitting in front of the camera had a different attitude because... The whole structure, the whole, was very different organically. Oh, yeah. And that's the same thing with medium format, too. You're not usually going to be, you can hand hold them, but usually it's on a tripod. Oh, no, yeah. Mostly on a tripod. They're just so heavy, and I think if you, you know, you shoot with a $30,000 camera and people know it, then people take you a lot more seriously. Mm -hmm. it's, that's not even knowing that it's $30,000. I just remember um, working for one of the photographers in L.A., and even if we were going to shoot the whole thing on a, at that time it was like a 1D Mark II. Mm -hmm. Even if we were going to shoot the whole thing on a 1D Mark II or let's even say like a 5D Mark III at that time. When we were testing, we would still test with medium format. We would pull out the Hasselblad, we'd do the whole horse and pony show and bring it all out. And the the reason being that his logic was that if a client's paying me 50 plus thousand dollars to shoot this, I'm not pulling out the same camera they have in their bag right away. Right. Mm -hmm. I want the biggest most expensive looking camera. Mm. So even though they don't know the cost, but in their head they're going, I've never seen that before. Right. I'm right. getting my money's worth. Exactly. Right. So and, a little, and, and a little they bit are. is the perception level. Yeah. Uh, but then, of course we, you know, artists, you know, who choose that format and, and who may print to that size. And when you see, you know, high end jewelry, you know, advertisements um, to some degree, fashion, sometimes yes, sometimes no, um, cars, any of that kind of stuff, you, you're going to assume it's a medium format shooter, I, you would think. I mean, that's the way I look at it. Uh, yeah, I, And you go to the high-end magazines and, and the ads there, are usually a medium format. Going, this, going back to what we were saying earlier, um, which is that you're shooting in a true 16-bit environment. Mm -hmm. So even if you're going to push it out to my Instagram feed, you know, which, of course, I will only do on medium format, but if... <laughs> if if you're pushing it out to an, in, um, even if you're going to push it out to an Instagram feed or you're going to display it on a monitor on a website, you still have so much color and so much color um, transition that's there when you're working on the original file. It's going to look different. Now, is it going to look that different? That's really up to the photographer and the client to to get it. Um, a lot of people who are shooting medium format are still printing. Mm -hmm. They are still printing where they're looking to do like really high compositing and they want the most detailed resolution and color that they can get. Some of them are doing it just to be different. There's another thing that you touched upon, but we really never spoke about here, and that is the look of the image. Now, if you've shot with a full-frame camera, 35, and you shot with an APS-C, and you shot with a four-thirds format camera, the same subject, at the same apertures, your pictures are different. Yeah. Because the smaller the sensor, the greater the depth of field. But when you shoot with a medium format camera, the same thing happens. F8 is not the same thing as the F8 on your 35. There's a look that is so different that you could only accomplish with a larger format. Yeah. So that's another reason why if somebody's hiring you to do a job and you have a certain look that you're going for. Yeah, if you want to shoot a portrait of at F2 in mm -hmm. medium format, um, it's going to look beautiful. You know, Alan, your comment about 
maybe the intangibles to some degree and, and the look and the tone. I mean, we interviewed uh, Gregory Heisler, who's a noted portrait photographer who works with Canon full frame and he works with his medium format and he goes subject to subject. It really depends on what, what strikes him in terms of how he he's approaching his subject, his this person that he's dealing with. And uh, and he uses an old back, something yeah, that he bought a, 10, 15 years Aptis ago. Yeah, he's 22 or 28, exactly, something like exactly. that. Exactly, so the, it's not even about resolution. It's just about a tone that he's sensing and feeling. And uh, I guess that's the artistic license that you have. Let's talk a little bit about the disadvantages. I mean, and you mentioned a couple in terms of the speed and, and the light sensitivity and, and frame rate, all these things. Anybody? Yeah, the f I mean... Just going on the frame rate, the fastest medium format can only shoot 2.3 frames per second. So it's not good for sports. Even for fashion, if you have a you know, fast-moving subject or if your model is jumping around, you might find it a little bit tricky. There's always the mirror lockup to shoot a little faster, but then even then, your focus has to be spot on. Yeah, but then to counter you, an advantage you have in medium format with many of these cameras is that they have much faster sync speeds with flash. Oh, right? yeah. Okay, so what the fastest you can do with a 35 is what, about one two fiftieth. Yeah. Whereas you can go up to an 800th or a 1600th, depending on the camera. That's a big deal, if, especially if you're shooting someone moving in fashion and you want to stop everything, you want to, you know, the hair's flying back and you want to freeze every. You can do it yeah, with, the that, with and, medium format. And that's because they're... Their shutter is not a focal plane shutter. They're using leaf shutters exactly. in, in, the, mm -hmm. in the lens. lens. Let's talk lenses a little bit then because that's a whole other aspect. And as Jeremy was saying earlier, it's a, it's a, a price differential also. I mean, if you're going to invest in a system, you got to buy the lenses. And, and often that means buying a new shutter with each lens because the, the lens has a shutter in it in mm -hmm. most cases. Can you guys explain that a little bit then, the difference between the, the leaf shutter and a focal plane shutter? So leaf shutter operates on the principle that there is – the blades on the aperture open and close every time you take a photograph, whereas a focal plane shutter has a uh, kind of a like a, a curtain that curtain. opens yeah. and closes on the focal plane of the sensor as you're photographing. So mm -hmm. you're going to find that most of the medium formats do have leaf shutters on their lenses. Uh, the sensor is exposed most of the time, um, you know, behind the mirror. But yeah, essentially, when the leaf shutter opens up, it exposes the entire shutter at the same time. Uh, sorry, the entire sensor at the same time. Because, That's right. Because it's opening. Mm -hmm. Whereas, um, as Jeremy was saying, that the a regular like focal plane shutter is more like a curtain, so it kind of slides across, right. and it's not open the, the entire time. It's going to actually be a slit moving across your sensor. Mm -hmm. so, so when you're shooting flash at 1 250th of a second, if the flash sync speed is too fast or too slow, you know, you'll see a black line or kind of a... Yeah. It's like almost exact, exact yeah. because it, it's that because it's just that part of the frame that was shuttered over. And with the with the leaf system, is there what what kind of shutter speed range is there? Is it it's as fast and as so you can't get as fast. You can't get as so fast, they do yeah. they do top out at like I think one four thousand or mm -hmm. whatever. But um, but you can sync up to like one two thousandth of a second. So like the trade off is like okay, right. like I'll shoot a little slower. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. And can we talk a little bit about the focal length in medium format? If you're looking for like a 50 millimeter and 35 equivalent, mm -hmm. it's 75 to yeah, 80 roughly. About 80 millimeters. Okay. Yeah, so about an 80 millimeter medium format lens is about a 50. Yeah, so like 40 okay. is going to be your wide angle. Right. You know, right. and then you up to 120 for your portrait. Yeah, yeah. 35 millimeters extreme wide angle. That's like a 21 millimeter, depending on the size of the sensor. So Alan, right in our shooting range. That's hmm. right. <laughs> so, so what, what, what are your limits then in terms of focal length when it comes to medium format? You, you kind of just more. You're not going to find any real telephoto lenses right. as far as like long telephoto, just because due to the size of the sensor, you need a much larger image. Gigantic, I mean, right. you're, you're talking massive lenses. Right. 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 And and uh, to get a nice wide angle, what's the focal length for medium format? About right. 35, I think, is as wide as they go right now, right? Which is yeah. like a 20, 21 About millimeter. 20. Okay. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I, I think. Hasselblad's saying that they're going to be putting out a 30 millimeter for the for the X1D, but or mm -hmm. I don't know if it's on their roadmap or something. Or I may mm -hmm. have just overheard that. Um, I know that they're starting off with a 40 and a 70, which is going to kind of be like your your wide and your standard. That's yeah, like and a that's 24 new, millimeter or something around that. Yeah. That's for the yeah. new Hasselblad mirrorless, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. The the big limitations with with medium format, as, at least as far as lenses go. 
um, is number one, which lenses work on your cameras, mm-hmm. um, because there are a lot of old existing glass, which may not work on your cameras without an adapter or something. Um, like we were talking about before, some of them have to cock and whether or not they can trigger the camera. Um, the other thing is you just don't have the plethora of lenses, lenses that we find in the 35 millimeter range. Like, like I'm sure it's a manufacturing slash popularity thing, but there's so many people manufacturing in, in 35 millimeter and there's so many different lenses and there's so many different applications and tools and everything from budget lens to, to high end lens, you know, you just have a tremendous range and maybe in some ways might be too much cause you know, people are always confused. Oh, do I get this one or that one? There's five different versions of the same lens for the same camera. Um, whereas in medium format, you're a lot more select, but they're also, they come with a higher quality because they need it for medium format, which is actually something I just want to point out when, if you make a mistake in 35 millimeter, it's kind of forgiving. So you're not shooting at exactly the highest, the right shutter speed for your, for your lens focal length. You have a little bit of shake, but it doesn't translate out as much. We, we start to see problems with that though. When we start to get into the higher resolution, Mm -hmm. like with the D800 and the D810 and the A7R, and then the ASMR2, and now the... Very the, unforgiving. The 50DSR, uh, uh, the, the 5DSR has a brand new mirror um, system so that it doesn't shake the camera. Medium format is super unforgiving. If mm-hmm. anyone knows like anything over there, like this smallest amount of vibration is going to be seen, and that's both due to the higher megapixel and the and the larger sensors is going to translate it out, mm-hmm. and you'll see it much faster. Mm-hmm. And none of mm-hmm. these cameras have image stabilization, do they? That's not a medium format. Yeah, no. that's strictly a thirty-five millimeter. It's called a tripod. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the assumption is that you're gonna use a medium format camera with a tripod. Yeah, the cameras start at you know five and a half, seven pounds after a lens and the batteries and the viewfinder prism. Combo. You know, I actually once did a, a comparison to a Canon uh, 1D something or other, whatever the mark was at the time, with a 24 to 72.8 and a new Hasselblad H4 something with an 80 millimeter. They were within a few ounces of each other, actually. Yeah, once you had the pro-level DSLRs, I think. Yeah, so it's really not that. And and, the, the, and again, different form factor. Yeah, the form factor makes a difference. But the so weight was really not much difference. So much, easier to, so much easier to hold a Canon. Yeah. And that's without without doing a lot of knocks. I think Hasselblad has one of the best body types as far as feel goes. Yes. Um, the Mamiya and the Phase cameras were, were much harder to hold. I remember hand-holding those in the studio, and they were just they were very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So should we talk about the, the Pentax 645Z in, in this context now that we're there? Because they kind sure. of, a couple of years ago, they, they brought out this medium format, which from my understanding was an attempt to go at the the DSLR crowd, and this is before the Canon 50 megapixel came out, so it was like, hey, we're going to give you this kind of resolution, we're going to give you this format, but we're going to do it in, well, of course, it was a CMOS sensor, right? It was one of the first medium formats of the CMOS, and, but it had the form factor and the familiarity of a DSLR. And was in the same price range. And as the a, price range was as a top DSLR. Well it didn't it didn't have the form factor. <clears throat> it was still it was still medium format esque. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not a I shouldn't say I'm not a huge fan. I'm 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 a fan that it's coming in in the right price range, in the right space. What it's promising is is kind of what it's delivering. I have a lot of issues with it as a shooter. I just think the buttons are too small. I don't like the screen. Mm-hmm. Um let let's just compare it for a second. The the Hasselblad X1D is now announced. It's a mirrorless camera, which I mm-hmm. think is really going to nail what the 645 could have been. Right. And that is that it's the right form factor for walking around and going around with. The 645 was considered to be kind of land uh, uh, a landscape shooter's dream because mm-hmm. it had, if you turned it over, there was another quarter 20 right. on the side. Right, it was, right, it was right. really, it, it's not really made as a handheld shooter's camera. And because I know, because I've taken it out and shot with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I went to, I actually shot an event with it just mm-hmm. For just, to just just to see and mm-hmm. just to do it, and um, it's it's not it's 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 just not made to do that, form factor wise. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. It feels like a small box though. Yeah, it feels a little boxy to me. Mm-hmm. That one in particular, you know, Levy was saying how the Hasselblads do. They have the best feel out of all of them. the materials. Just feel it's just really solid, you know, camera. And I I feel like the the Pentax just doesn't have that same Now, when you're saying Hasselblad, which model are you referring to? The H series? The H series, yeah. Okay, just want to qualify that. The three and the four. But even even back in the day, I remember the H2 was just one of the most comfortable cameras to hold. Mm Well-balanced. Yeah. Yeah. They just just did it right. And so 
despite what you're saying, and you know, those are solid criticisms, is it fair to say that the the 645Z reached the the potential that it wanted to? I don't I don't think so. I okay. I think it revitalized interest in medium format. I think a lot of people who have shot full frame have always wanted to go medium format. It's kind of been a career move, you know, going from full frame to medium format. And I think a lot of people were considering or have always considered the idea of shooting medium format. And I think opening up that kind of price door this really made, the, made the jump easier. For made mm-hmm. made it you know really good. I you know there are a lot of customers at the store who ask about it and want to see it. And I think for them it was you know a dream that finally became attainable. Mm-hmm. Whether the camera itself is good is a different story. Um, but I think I think it really it kind of told the other companies that are in the in the running that you know there still is interest and that they yeah. they have to be more innovative. Like of course, to, a year later, the Canon right, the high the resolution 50 50 out. came out, right? But like I, I agree with Jeremy in that like it definitely revitalized interest and it's definitely a a talking piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, and, and I'm sure Pentax is probably also really happy with its sales, at least as of a couple of years ago or last right. year, or whatever it is. Right. Um, I do think that we're going to see a lot more with the Hasselblad. And, you know, something else that uh, I, I just don't know, I mean, that we didn't touch upon, and that part of the medium format camera system is the software that comes along with it. And nobody in the 35 millimeter in a, in a DSLR or mirrorless world will give you offers the kind of software you get with a medium format camera. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe phase. Um, well, FaZe doesn't make a 35mm, but I would say Nikon being the only one that comes to mind, they make their Nike capture software, which they charge you for, you know, because that's what they do. Um, but they're the only ones who offer like a standalone built specifically for our cameras, for our RAW files. No one offers the depth, though, that I think you'll find with like focus software. Yes, or, exactly. Or that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, I mean, it's extremely sophisticated. It you really actually is. have to use their software to maximize yes. the capability because if you put your 16 bit files in Photoshop, you only get 15 out of them mm-hmm. at most. So you want to stick to focus. And yeah, well, focus also, what's unique about focus, which is Hasselblad software, which is a free download when you buy one of their systems. Free. Yeah, it, it's free. <laughs> it, it's clunky. It's, it's, it's not. It's not the best so, piece of software that's ever made, as far as like design wise. Because going back to the R and D and yada yada, where they're putting their money, but um, what works very nicely about it is that they have every sensor and every lens tested before it goes out, and they build it into focus software. Mm. So therefore, whatever camera that you take out, the software recognizes that lens, that camera, and says, "Okay, we need to do these adjustments based on everything this. is optimized. It's meant yeah. to deliver." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I mean, I would figure at twenty six thousand dollars. So. Yeah, that's part of what you're paying for, though. That's part of it. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a short break. When we come back. We're going to talk about the new Hasselblad and the future of medium format. If you'd like to reach out to us with your questions or comments, email us at podcast at bhphoto.com. Okay, we are back. Let's talk about the new Hasselblad X1D. Um, I know that for a long time. People who played around medium format would be saying, I wish they came out with something like a Mamiya 7, which for those of you not familiar, was, was sort of a range find a medium format film camera that was beautifully light. The lenses were sharp as all heck. You can carry the whole system in a shoulder bag, and it was wonderful for all kinds of photography. Why couldn't they build a digital camera like that? Hasselblad just did. Boom. As soon as I saw that camera, <laughs> I, the first thing that came to my mind was Mamiya 7 everybody's dreams have been answered and mm-hmm. it's affordable too. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about that camera. What's so good af- about it? I think affordable is uh, relative, right? Because that camera is still $9,000 for the body only and 2500 for like the first lens you get. So that's still an $11,000 purchase. Yeah, but however, you could spend a lot more money oh, for you that same kind of technology. Um, you know, it's... Got a lot of megapixels, resolving powers all there. It's mirrorless, so I think the standard uh, problems with mirrorless are going to be in the same X1D, battery life, um, you know, electronic viewfinder. There's there's an electronic viewfinder on it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I, I don't know if some people will find that a, you know, an issue. I mean, you're so used to that prism and that viewfinder. And the bulk and the boxiness and everything yeah. else. All the things we were just complaining about, this camera doesn't have. Well, if you, <laughs> I mean, medium format digital did offer some kind of uh, 
luxury look to it. And if you go smaller now, uh, are you going to get that same kind of aesthetic mm-hmm. shooting wise as you were with your? You're going to be able to impress your clients. Exactly. Yeah. It still says Hasselblad on the front. Of it. <laughs> now, do you think that the uh, it's going to the size and the mirrorless factor will make it more of a camera you can take out in the street with you and shoot or even uh, land? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. Much lighter, much better form factor, much easier for handheld shooting. Mm-hmm. A um, couple things to point out about this camera. Number one, it's only contrast um, focus, which mm-hmm. means it's going to be slower. It's going to kind of be that mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. thing that we're it's used to from yeah. old school point and shoots. Um, the viewfinder, as Jeremy's pointing out, is an EVF, which for those of you who are not familiar with it, um, in mirrorless cameras for 35, we're now hitting EVFs, which don't black out. Right. Um, this is going to black out. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be slow blackout, and it's going to be slow refresh because again, the technology is just not there yet. This is medium format's first time going into this, right. so all the stuff we saw generations one, two, and three of mirrorless Sony and everybody else, mm-hmm. we're breaking our teeth all over again. A, yeah. we're, exactly. Okay. Are there models available? They not they yet. had some at our event space for us to play with. Mm-hmm. Pre-orders are in. They just they just pushed back the pre-order to end of August, mm-hmm. early September. Um, I know they were trying to get one into my hands, but our, our rep doesn't yet have his own model. Okay. So I couldn't, I couldn't touch it. With any of the new camera systems, though, there's always the lack of lens options. Right. And I, this will be the same thing. There are only two lenses available now. Um, but Hasselblad has said that they are, they're behind this whole thing. It's not going to be like their Solar and Lunar and all that other stuff. This is God. real serious. <laughs> this is a serious camera that... If they went this far, they're they're going to be taking it further than this. So my guess is another few years we're going to have a full set of lenses. What about adaptable lenses? I mean, so right off the bat, they're coming out with an adapter to go to all H lenses. Mm-hmm. So anything right. that you can put on H six, um, you, electronically you can put onto here. Aside from I forget how they call it, but it's essentially it's their tilt shift adapter mm-hmm. that is not adaptable to this. Okay, um, and neither. retains autofocus. The new adapter, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, right. None of the old lenses are though. So anything, if you're a H, uh, sorry, if you're a V, Hasselblad V class shooter, which is any of like the old film cameras and analog, none of those are adaptable over yet. Oh no, because okay. it can't trigger the back. I see. Oh, oh look, we're back at all those original issues. Right. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So do you think that the uh, the potential cl- customer for this camera will be the the mirrorless shooter that wants to take it up to the next level, or is it going to be a Hasselblad shooter who has their lenses and wants to shrink down or just embrace the future? Who's who's the... I think it's a bit of everyone. I was just going to say, personally. that would be it's my bit, guess. It's a bit of everyone. You have your H6 shooter who wants something for location shooting, you mm-hmm. know, so backup camera. Maybe. Landscape shooters would be, you know, if you have to go hiking, you want to do quote-unquote, large format, <laughs> that's your camera. That's a, yeah. Yeah. Liking with it? Okay. Maybe someone yeah. with a Leica-esque budget, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like they people definitely who have need that luxury cameras, mm-hmm. you know, just that little bit more quality. I can see I can see the portrait shooter who really wants to differentiate themselves and they want to, you know, be able to show you something, but they still want a comfortable camera. And it's, we keep saying affordable is within reason, but this is extremely affordable for medium format. Right. I can see artists using this. I can see this being... Use it as like a straight up studio camera, mm-hmm. as long as you didn't need like tilt shift capability or or any of the specific capabilities that an H six system would mm-hmm. would give you, and it's less than half the price. Right. So but it sounds to me like somebody. Well, of course, getting over like to say the first generation hiccups. It sounds to me maybe it's a camera that for someone who wants to go into to medium format, they want that quality, but they're maybe they're not sure where they're going with it, and they want to be able to shoot in the studio, and then they want to be able to take it on the street to do their thing. Uh, I, and I, maybe it's too early for the the traditional experienced Hasselblad shooter to jump on it. If you've been shooting for a while, I, I think you came to the, you have to have come to the realization there's no perfect camera out there yet. Um, the camera that you want to take out in the street is not necessarily the best for the studio and, and vice versa. And I think that the new Hasselblad is going to find that same niche. It's going to be a camera that has some very unique qualities as far as image quality, uh, as far as resolving power, as far as the fact that you can, it's light and easy to, to carry around, and it's probably going to find its own little niche. And I think it'll it'll tap into both the people who now can justify the cost of a top of the line Nikon or Canon system, 
uh, as well as medium format users who want to have something smaller and lighter, a little bit more agile. It's another little bridge system, for lack of better words. Yeah, I think I think for people who want the best, if they want to make that jump above the Canon 5DSR or the DA10, your next jump is to go here. So and, what, and, yeah, and, and you're going to sacrifice within. optical range. You're not going to have the choice of lenses, and you're going to sac. But your images are going to look different than they would from your Canon or Nikon. And what is the resolution and, and the, the color bit on this? 16. 16, 16, 16 megapixels. Yeah. So. And the ISO range? 25,000. Um, it's ISO 100 to 25,000. But it's sure. very, very clean at 6,400. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're is almost... A, this is a big advantage then. They're having. almost you know, yeah. noise-free noise -free at 6,400. Okay. One thing I really want to point out, because I think this is super interesting... Um, it's Nikon TTL mm -hmm. for the flash system. Okay. And that is a brilliant choice by Hasselblad Nikon or both um, to do because... No, no one touches Nikon for TTL flash. Exactly. And it, although it's not radio just yet because they don't have the 10-pin for the radio to the SP5000, um, it is going to be full Nikon TTL, which is, I think, that is going to open up some really interesting options. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we did an episode a few weeks ago, which was the best gear at mid-year, and I think it was a couple of days after we recorded that that this was announced. And I don't know, was it you, Levy, who said, we, you know, we just we missed the best announcement of the half year? Would you still say that's the case? I mean, is this uh, the most impressive camera, at least on paper, to have come out this, I, I this year? I think this is the most interesting thing that's come out this year. Okay. Yeah, um, I would agree. Yeah, I mean, I'm still waiting for Fuji to put a, put out their version of like a rangefinder. Mm -hmm. Well, that's another thing too. All the rumors say that uh, Fuji's going to come out with their version of it because Hasselblad and Fuji do a lot of work side by side. They have for years. Yeah, so. the H system is a Fuji design product. Okay, so that leads it. Let's talk the future. I mean, not just maybe. Let's make some guesses as to what's next in in the medium format from the other manufacturers, but also maybe. Where we're going to see medium format going in the next two, three years? Anything? Well, let's put it this way. The Canon cameras and the, and the Nikon, say the A10 stuff, like, and, and the, uh, well, the top of the line, Sony, Nikon, and Canon, have been really one of the reasons why medium format has not grown as much because Absolutely. a lot of the reasons people would go to medium format, which is primarily for resolving power, it's kind of hard to argue with some of the cameras out today in mm -hmm. the 35-millimeter yep. format. I guess the options are for medium format is to become higher in their in their resolution or to shrink down their bodies and become more convenient is that there's only two options really or no. both or both yeah i think with the x1d we're going to see a resurgence in medium format i think mm -hmm. it's definitely mm -hmm. a much better price point you know in this day and age spending a ton of money on equipment when you can just rent from rental houses is going to be a big thing um you know it, it really you know a much lower cost to the photographer is going to help them buy more lenses in the future, expand their equipment. And, you know, I think the X1D really is starting to open doors for the rest of the medium format market. Yeah. I mean, it, what, what it comes down to is, you know, what are really the markets here? Mm -hmm. So if I were to break it down, I take consumer point and shoot his phones, mm -hmm. you know, our, yeah. our consumer point of view market has gone all high end. If you see the cameras mm -hmm. that are really coming out over there, mm -hmm. they're RX100 or in that arena. Then you have the people who want to go to interchangeable um, cameras. So at that point, it's either mirrorless or DSLR, mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. DSLR for sports. And then what's your next jump from there? Most people don't need to make the next jump. But the next jump would be affordable medium format. And But at that point, you've already weeded out. You know, you're at the top of the Yeah, 98% of the people. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we mentioned Fuji, and we didn't talk a lot about Mamiya. Any any thoughts on what they're up to? And but I think that they got enveloped into Phase One completely at this point. So we're not really seeing a ton out of them. For a long time, they had some of the best color on the market mm -hmm. um, for, from Credo. Mm -hmm. Credo was their the color, and mm -hmm. you know, out of Israel, and they just gorgeous, gorgeous color. Um, but they got bought out by Phase One, which is why Phase One's original bodies were the same as the Mamiya. Right. Um, and yeah, they have, they have a Credo 80. Right. Um, it's nice. It's nice. They have a Credo 50, which is the, the 50C, backs, yeah. which is yeah. the same, again, same sensor. Yeah. Everyone's using the same sensor because yeah. the person, the people who seem to have the money and the time to do the R and D and the research is Sony because they are 20 something percent of the sensor market worldwide. Right. So they have extra money to put into really cool sensors. MME already has an extensive optical system for these cameras. 
be it phase or whatever name is on the camera body itself. Uh, the lenses are all Schneider there. Or Krishnachner or whatever it's yeah. called. Yeah, so they've yeah. got some great stuff going on. And now the question, of they, would they invest into something that would be like a mirrorless-style camera? That yet to be seen. I think I, I think the next the next step is as I said before with Fuji because there's a lot there's a lot of um, rumors about Sony and Fuji putting out either mm -hmm. like a fixed yeah, lens yeah. mirrorless or or a rangefinder mirrorless. Yeah, I think yeah. that that would be the next step because Hasselblad took the kind of through the lens approach with with the mirrorless as far as like EVF goes. Um, so that's like SLR style. You see what you're seeing through the lens on a on an EVF. But I do think the next step would kind of be to go kind of kind of the retro feel. Let's do a rangefinder medium format, either fixed lens or interchangeable. Well, with the new 100 megapixel phase one that is co-developed with Sony, you might find, I don't, well, phase one might come up with their own mirrorless medium format. I mean, if they keep collaborating with Sony, they could put a body together and Sony could provide the sensors and could be something for the market to play with. Yeah, I guess this all begs the question is, yeah, when is Sony going to put out their medium format? Right, so th this goes back to what I was saying. I think I think um, phase one, as Jeremy's saying, phase one's going to be the one to compete with Hasselblad. So they're going to go medium format EVF. If if they do it, they, they may not. Um, but I think Sony and Fuji, if they get into this, they're not going to directly compete. They're going to do something just different enough, which is what we see Fuji's doing 100% in the APS-C market. They're just doing just different enough. They're doing that retro type feel, or even with their X-T1, it's still retro, and they're using a different sensor. So they're trying to do just different enough. Um Sony, I just, I don't see them trying to kill their sales with Hasselblad. Right. So they're not going to directly compete. Right. True. Right. Do you think Lens Baby's ever going to get into the lens market for medium format? 100%. Digital? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we had the president on, we should have asked him. <laughs> That's when you know it's mainstream. Until then, you could always just smear your lens with Vaseline. We'll cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> For lots of reasons. <laughs> no worries. Something that we didn't touch upon at all, and, and I'm curious about, with mirrorless and DSLRs, uh, video is it, it became a monster issue. Do you think it's ever going to get that way with medium format, or is that, that seems to be like overkill. Am I wrong? I think people don't even want to try. I think, <laughs> I think they know that medium format digital is for photography. It comes down to us having this conversation the other day, and I, I actually remember when video was first coming out, like with the 5D Mark II, and I remember back then talking even to Phase 1 at that time um, about going video, and they were like, oh, yeah, we're trying to explore the option. The Red Cam was just coming out then. We had a conversation with Red, da-da-da. Two days ago, well, Friday, I had a, had a conversation with Phase 1 at the time, and and I was like, so where where is video going with this? Because we see everything's coming 1920, 1080. You guys are not really putting a lot of serious thought into this. And they pretty much said, you know, when you're paying $30,000 for a camera, people expect the video quality be quality to be $30,000 video quality. And when you're at that point, you're competing with RED, you're competing with ARRI, you're competing with all these high-end video cameras, we just can't deliver that. And we're not even going to try. It's not the right tool for the job. What I will say, though, exactly, it's not the right tool for the job. That's also something very, just in general, always know what the right tool for the job mm -hmm. is. But something that is happening is that a lot of medium format lenses are being bought up by companies like ARRI or DPs because they need that high resolving power for 8K capture. ARRI came out with a medium format 65 millimeter camera. Um, so they're using Hasselblad lenses on that. And so we are seeing <laughs> medium format lenses being used in video, but the sensor technology in medium format stills it doesn't make the heart it, of the beast is still a smaller format. It, well, it it doesn't make as easy of a jump as we've found in 35 millimeter. Gotcha. Thank you, John. Thank you, Jason Tables. Thank you to our guests, Lady Tenenbaum and Jeremy Tan. Lastly, thank you to our listeners, and remember to leave us a review on iTunes. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in today. <laughs> <laughs>